Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 2, verse 9, And she will be enticed by her desire, implanted, tempted by the serpent. We'll talk about that in Genesis 3. But for now, there are two trees that are there. They take center stage. We know the tree of life for sure is in the midst of the garden. It's in the middle. We're told that plainly. We don't know if the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is right there as well. We don't know if there's two trees side by side or if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is elsewhere. The language could allow, I think, for both. But there's two trees. One tree brings life. The other tree brings what? Death. And man now is confronted with a choice. He's confronted with all these varieties. We'll see later, God says, you can eat of any of these trees. You can eat to your heart's desire. Isn't that a blessing? I don't think you gained weight in the precursor world. So he had all these varieties, ice cream trees. My imagination. Frozen yogurt trees. And here's these two trees. We will be told that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's told he can't take from that tree. That's the one tree. His, he's given wide range. He can have everything. It's at his fingertips to his heart's desire. There's only one tree he's told to stay away from. That's the one he ends up at. It's kind of like when you see a bench that says wet paint. Is it really wet? I don't know. And then you tell your brother, sit down on that. That's dry. That's what we do, right? So two trees are there. Have you ever thought about this? Why would God ask human beings not to eat of a tree that provides knowledge of good and evil? What? I thought that life was really captured in knowing what's good and what's evil. And you say, well, maybe they were totally innocent. Maybe they didn't know anything prior to taking of this forbidden fruit. However, wait a second. How could God punish them if they didn't know what was good and what was evil? A boundary marker was put up. They were told the consequences. When my kids were growing up, I, one of my children, who will remain unnamed for relational reasons, <laughs> I couldn't get the child to stay in bed. I would do everything. The kid would not stay in bed. I would make promises. <laughs> And so I read a little bit of James Dobson and he said, look, you've got to draw the boundary and you've got to show the kid what you're going to do. And then if he doesn't obey, follow through. So we had the talk. So I said, son, you are to stay in this bed. And if you get out of this bed, daddy going to spank you. And I showed him, I'll give you a couple of these. All right. Yes, daddy. All right. Covers, pray. I thought we had an understanding. <laughs> I begin to walk down our hallway and something is clearly behind me. It's that child. Moment of decision. He chose tree B. <laughs> we will now apply the board of understanding to the seat of knowledge. And so... <laughs> quack, quack! 
<laughs> all that stuff, right? So you're comforting them, right? So you're supposed to hug them afterwards. Say, Daddy told you, I, I love you, but back in the bed. Okay, now we have an understanding, right? <laughs> Don't get out of the bed. You get out of the bed. All right? Yes, Daddy. I start going down the hallway, pray tell. He's there again. <laughs> we went through this, I think, three times until finally we were communicating clearly. One tree gives life. One tree brings death. Brothers and sisters, that's what life is all about. This garden is a picture of existence. This garden is a picture of your life. You get to choose what you want to do. Now, the knowledge of good and evil in Hebrew, the word know or knowing has layers, and it can speak of an intimate knowledge of experience. They know good, maybe they don't know evil yet, and maybe that's the part that God's warning them about. I'll give you an example. Uh, There's a scripture a little later, I think it's in Deuteronomy, that talks about the innocence of children. Think of it this way. When a child is innocent, we say, it's not like that child doesn't have any intellectual capacities. They know stuff, but they're innocent in regard to evil, and we want to keep it that way, right? And so when something evil happens to an innocent child, it's one of the most terrible things on the planet. Now, God's grace can cover all of that. We've all been through our stuff, but here's my point. We want to protect innocence as much as possible. I don't think Adam and Eve prior to the fall were intellectually incapacitated or dumb. In fact, I think the evidence is they were using more of their brains than we do. We use, most of us in the room use 1% of our brains. Don't look at anybody right now. <laughs> Actually, I think it's 10%, right? But, but what they were innocent in, this is Pastor Michael's conjecture, is I think they were innocent in evil. I think God was saying, if you go there, you're going to experience something that I can't fully explain to you now, but it's going to leave a mark on your life. In fact, we're going to call that sin. And that sin is going to be so devastating, it's going to separate you from me. And we're going to have to do radical things. But the choice is going to be yours. You've got all this garden of delight. It's all here for you. Just stay away from that one tree. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to know the depths of that. I want to keep you in innocence. And in fact, we do know that once they, their eyes are open, they feel shame. They hide from God. And then the cherubs show up and they have to guard the way to the tree of life lest they partake and live forever. You might ask, well, why would angels guard the tree of life? What's so bad about living forever? Because I think what God is saying is that in their fallen state, the moment that they eat, they become mortal. There's a separation and that pure relationship is now hurt. And it's not going to be restored again until the end of the age when there's the resurrection and all of that. And what's interesting about the guarding of the uh, Garden of Eden is is done by cherubs. I'll just plant this in your mind for a second. The only other place I think that cherubs show up is they're on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark is the law of God. And Moses says to Israel, choose. You want life or death. In choosing, what you get to do is choose whether you're going to follow God or the ways of the pagan nations. For the Christian, you choose to trust in Christ and follow him, or you choose to go your own way. Maybe the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is moral 
autonomy. I want to be my own God. That's what Satan told our first parents. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be as God's knowing good and evil. And so he says God's holding back. Now a river, ten, flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah. Havilah actually can be translated sand land. This was the first sand lot in history. They played baseball here. Just, just kidding. Actually, there was gold there. And the gold of that land is good. The Delium, the onyx stone are there, 13. The name of the second river is Gihon. There's Gihon Springs in Israel, um, but there's other water uh, um, rivers and so forth that had this name in history. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The third name, the name of the third river is Tigris. We know that name. It flows east of Assyria. We get some location. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, of all I could tell you about these rivers and the conjecture of where the Garden of Eden is, we just don't know. Some people believe the Garden of Eden is in the Persian Gulf. Some people believe it's in the, uh, the heart of Israel, even in the area of Jerusalem because of the Gihon Springs. But the truth of the matter is, we don't know for sure, and here's why we don't know, because the world was flooded. And all the rivers that existed at that time were obliterated and changed. The world was underwater, folks. 2 Peter 3.6 tells us that that world that was, was destroyed by water. So things changed after the flood. We don't know where the Garden of Eden was for sure. We have some indicators. You say, well, why do we have a Tigris? Why do we have a Euphrates today? Because people repeat names all the time. It doesn't mean they were the original rivers. And this brings up all kinds of questions. I'm not going to spend time there because I think most of them are just conjecture. Let's move on to verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man, now we have this garden scene, he put him into the Garden of Eden, and here's his call. He's there to cultivate Abad and to keep it Shamar. If you have an NIV, it says, the Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, tend it, New King James, and take care of it. Whatever notions you have about paradise, they don't include lying in a hammock seven days a week. Some of you had that notion, right? Paradise, yeah. Sorry. The six days of work and one day of rest were established before the fall. Work was given to Adam before the fall. He had a job. His job was keeping and cultivating. Work is not evil. Weeds are evil. Amen? They come after the fall. Thorns and thistles, and that's the curse. I would plant more things except for weeds and rocks. But the soil was probably more pristine and beautiful and, and Adam had work to do and here's an early indication of the cultivation of a man. He is, notice in verse 15, he is called to cultivate and keep. May I speak to the men for a moment? Since Adam is the focus of this particular text, your job running throughout the scriptures is to be a steward Adam is the first bond servant. He is the first Eved. He is the first uh, servant of Most High God. And he's been made by his maker, but he's been given a job. He has dominion, as we've seen in Genesis 1 and 2. And now what he does is he's, he's supposed to do something 
He's got a six-in-one routine. Six days he will work, one day he will rest. And on those six days, he's to bring cultivation to the garden and to keep it. Let me give you some uh, Hebrew words and just break down these ideas. The word cultivate, abad, is the normal Hebrew verb meaning to serve. It has the idea of labor. It means to work, to serve, to till. The word generally means that which promotes development or growth. Um, the word cultivate, abad. It also includes the idea of cultivate, cultivating a person's mind by training and studying. Part of the cultivation process for land is soil preparation. It includes destroying weeds, preventing crusting, which means keeping the ground from getting hard, and preserving moisture. One who cultivates is one who promotes growth. Gentlemen, your job from Almighty God is to provide an environment for your family and for whatever ministry God has entrusted to you to help cultivate growth. That's your job. That's what it means to be a man. That's what it means to be masculine. You want to know what biblical masculinity is? All these guys, we, we ask them, what does it mean to be a man? They have no clue. What it means to be a man is to see yourself as a steward of Almighty God and to see yourself as a cultivator, promoting growth in others, your children, your grandchildren, in your ministry. Wherever you go, by God's grace, you are to be a cultivator. But it's more than that. You are to keep Shamar, the word keep means to be in charge of, to guard, to protect, to attend to. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. We are to protect and serve. Isn't it interesting? Somebody after first service came up to me and said, that's on our police cars. That's what we are to do as men. We are to guard what God has entrusted to us and to bring levels of cultivation. Take care of the wife of your youth and take care of your family. That's what it means to be a man. You know, I hear phrases in the military. They always want to look their best. They always want to do their best. Well, as a Christian, how about us? Why is it that we feel like we can just mail it in and do whatever we want? No, grace is not an excuse for sin. One tree brings life, the other death. And the Lord God commanded, 16, as we wrap up the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowing or the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. God has warned him, He's given him a positive command. Hey, you, everything's at your fingertips. Have at it. Have fun. Here's your work. Take care of it. It's yours. Here you go. Here's your home. Be blessed. One caveat. Not even in small print. <laughs> that tree, don't go there. Make sure in the cultivating and guarding process that your wife doesn't go there. And we'll see Adam by the tree. Next chapter, right? Don't know what happened to him. Probably watching a football game. I don't know, you know. And God says that in the day you eat of it, He's not saying that you're going to drop dead. Not like Snow White, in the moment you eat the apple. It's probably where that comes from. It's in the day you eat of it, you will become mortal. This mortal, 1 Corinthians 15, must put on immortality. 
The moment they eat, they ate of the forbidden fruit, whatever it was, whether an apple or something else, they became mortal. They would have lived forever had they partaken of the tree of life. I don't know if that meant that they would be in the garden forever or like Enoch be taken out sometime when that course of life was over, but they would have lived forever in that pristine state. But now we know they're going to take of it. And that, in that moment, they are going to become mortal. They're going to die. The sad reality of humans' dilemma, why we die, is one word. It's the word sin. Sin is a choice. Oh, sin includes falling short of perfection. It's true. But sin is to basically say, I will do it my way. Sin is disobedience to the law. Now, I've got good news for you, though. Even though we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God did something about it. And God came down to his creation in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you Revelation 22 and we're done. All the way, there's a connection between Genesis and Revelation. I think, from my recollection, the most mentions of the tree of life show up in Revelation 22. So let me show you how this works. This is... Uh, some interesting stuff. And I just want to remind you as you turn there, it says, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. In Adam all die. In Christ all shall be made alive. Now we fast forward to Revelation 22. We were told about the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. Anybody written in it is in the kingdom and then look at 22.1 Revelation. And he showed me, John's writing, a river of the water of life. Think of the rivers back in Genesis. A pure river, clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So the river, this water of life, flows out from God. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was what? There's the tree of life. Bearing 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit every month. What's interesting about the tree of life is we know nothing about it from those, the verses we read. <laughs> we know nothing. We do know it imparts life. We do know they'll live forever if they eat of it, but we don't know much about the tree. Well, here we're told some detail. You see, this tree bears 12 kinds of fruit, the one tree does, yielding its fruit every month. Brothers and sisters, just a side note, this cannot be eternity. There's time here. There's fruit being born every month. This, got, this has got to be the millennial reign of Christ, which tells me something else. In the New Jerusalem, which is being described in Revelation 21 and 22, the tree of life reappears as it was in the Garden of Eden. Eden will be restored and the river of life will be there. Eden will be reestablished and the tree of life will show up. And here's the beauty of this. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has been dealt with because Jesus Christ died on a tree. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the zulon. That's the, not the word for cross, it's the word for tree. On the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, 1 Peter 2.24, you are healed. So he dies on a tree. Interesting, isn't it? 
And now we have access into this place and this tree's there again and the tree yielding these different crops of fruit. The leaves of the tree, Revelation 22.2, are for what? The healing of the nations. I think we're in the millennium and I think put yourself there because you're going to see this. This is a head for you and me. And there shall no longer be any curse that has been obliterated in Christ now. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it in this new Jerusalem. And his bondservants, we go all the way back from Adam, the first bondservant, to the church shall serve him. And they, incredibly, shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night And they shall not have need of the light of the lamp or light of the sun because the Lord God shall illumine them and they shall reign for how long? They shall reign forever and ever. Notice a couple more mentions of the tree of life. In verse 14 it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Skip down to verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, Come, let the one who hears say, come, 17. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let, him, let the one who wishes to take of the water of life, it won't cost you anything. It's been paid. It's without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book, he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One day we're going to see his face. This tree of life is going to be there. Eden will be restored. Man, there's some cool stuff ahead. So hang on, hold on. But if you don't know Christ, trust him, man. Don't believe the devil's lie. Don't go the world's way because if you do, you will end up in disaster. If you do, you will end up experiencing the bitterness of God's wrath and judgment and he's made a way. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life and no one's going to come to the Father except through him. Do you know him? Don't let your head hit the pillow tonight without settling it. You want your part in that holy city? You want to partake of that tree of life? You want to know the innocence of your relationship with God? You want to have things restored? You want to be forgiven of every sin that you've ever committed? You want to know life in that more abundantly? It's found in Christ and Him alone. He's your creator. He made you. He died for you. And He's come to give you life. So if you're a saint here this morning, be encouraged. If you're a prodigal, get back to him. And if you don't know Christ, get saved. Get saved. Run to him. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. Just say, Lord, I believe. I'm going to turn from my sin and doing it my way. I'm turning from that tree. And I'm going to turn to the one who gives life. Pray it right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our hearts. Lord Jesus, if it's you, pray it right now. Come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Say it to him if it's you. Thank you that you rose to defeat death. I turn from my sin and I trust in you. Thank you that you died on that tree, shed your blood, rose from the dead. Be my Lord and be my Savior. 
Lord, for those who are crying out to you, may you save them radically. May you breathe into their nostrils the breath of new life. May you bless the precious saints that are here with the hope of that millennial city where we will see your face. We will be with you face to face. Thank you for the conditions that will be restored. What you intended in the beginning, man cannot mess it up forever. It'll be restored. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. And with anticipation in our hearts, we say thank you. And we look forward to that day. And until that day comes, may we guard and cultivate what you've granted to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.